3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, and that's why we read the scripture and read long portions of scripture here at Grace. It's because we believe that all scripture is a word from God. And that he uses it to change our lives. And we can, many of us can attest to that. Um, I, I want to just briefly follow up from last week. And I know not everybody was here last week, but you ought to be able to catch on real quick. I did a, a <clears throat> I've been preaching through the book of Acts and I stopped at chapter 20. I'm going to let others finish that for me. Um, uh, but I uh, did John 3.16 last week <clears throat> and just really looked in the depth of the verse and hopefully it was encouragement and challenge to all of us. And then I asked you to do something this week and that was to go out and find one person to share John 3.16 with. Now my prayer is that happened. And in fact, I know, I know it happened with some because they told me it happened. I wanted to hear about the stories. I heard some amazing stories of what God did by somebody just saying John 3.16. <laughs> Well, this week I went out to, to eat with Blake, Blake right here, all right? Blake Jones and I went to eat, um, Buffalo Wild Wings. And uh, we were sitting there, and, and as I normally do, when the waitress brings our food or waiter, depending who it is, um, I always ask them what we can pray for them. Uh, Coach Waddell's here this morning. He knows that because we had our, uh, our game day lunches for a couple years. We always did that as well. And, and you never know what response you're going to get. I've told you about that before. And, the, and the, so I, t I told our waitress this time, I want to ask you two questions. First of all, what can we pray for you? And she asked that Blake and I pray for her family. And I said, well, secondly, have you ever heard John 3.16? And she said, no, I've never heard John 3.16. And I told you last week that we think everybody knows John 3.16. And I said, well, maybe as I start saying it, you'll probably recognize it. So I said, for God so loved the world. And she looked at me like, that he gave his only begotten son. I'll heard that. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I want to encourage you to believe in Jesus and have eternal life. But she, Blake and I looked at each other like we couldn't believe she hadn't heard it. And I told you last week some people hadn't heard it. Like I was expecting them all to know. I'm just, I want to encourage you to do that. How simple is that? How simple is that to be able to reach out with the gospel to people? Ask them what you can pray for and then go ahead and add. I think I'm going to add that to my repertoire now at lunches when I go out to eat. Have you ever heard of John 3.16? It's like a mini gospel in one verse. So, and I, my understanding is that we, someone came to know, came to trust in Christ this week. A young lady in a dance class came to know Christ as her Savior because her dance teacher shared with her John three sixteen. And I'm thankful for that. What a powerful word from God. Well, so what do you preach on the last Sunday? What do I preach on the last Sunday? As I serve as a pastor preaching and teaching here at Grace. In the last 13 and a half years, I've had the privilege to preach every single verse in Genesis, Daniel, Habakkuk, John, Galatians, Philippians, 1 Timothy, Philemon, James, 1 Peter, and Jude. I've also preached, had the privilege to preach multiple sermons out of 26 other books of the Bible besides those and the ones I didn't preach out of a sermon I probably quoted in another sermon and I did my best by the grace of God and I can honestly say what Paul said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 27 he said I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purposes of God and I believe that I did that I know always the best I'm sure 
Um, I think I grew in 13 and a half years as a, as a teacher and a preacher. And, but I did my best to, to declare to you the whole purposes of God, not leave out the difficult parts. And when it came time to decide what passage of Scripture to preach on this morning, to be honest with you, I didn't struggle one second with what I was going to preach on. I knew exactly what I was going to preach this morning. The passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning together has changed and challenged my life more than any other passage of Scripture over the last 15 years. It's still the, the, the passage that is changing me and challenging more than any other passage in all the 66 books of God's Word. I've quoted it more often in all my sermons than any other verse. I guarantee that. I didn't go back and count it up. There's no way I could have. I'm sure there's some program that Greg could have gotten up for me that I could have found out how many times I quoted it, but I don't know. I just know I have because it seems to apply in just about every situation. It's the very first passage I have couples who do premarital counseling with me memorize. Now, there's some in the room right now. They know exactly what it is because they memorized it, and after meeting with me for about 12 weeks, they've got it down. And then I always use it always use it and I will always use it when I have the privilege to do uh, um, weddings uh, uh, whenever I I've always will and I always, I always have and always will I'll always use this passage of scripture in the wedding because I think it's the most pointed passage uh, to apply in a marriage in any other passage of scripture so I have the privilege this morning to one more time I've only preached one message on it although I bring it up a lot to preach Paul's challenging words the church of Philippi found in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And I would encourage you, if you have a copy of God's Word, a hard copy, an electronic copy, we don't care, just a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to open that up and look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And when you get there, you're going to discover... Depending on your translation, I, I use the New American Standard. You may have the ESV, the NIV. Not, not super concerned about that. But you're going to discover it's going to say something like this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. What a verse. Our verse is. And I don't know about you, even as I say those words this morning, I'm challenged by what's there. And I know I got a lot of growing to do when it comes to what God through Paul exhorts us to in those two verses. Well, before we look at more depth, keep your Bibles open or your phones open or whatever it is you have the Bible on. Let me ask some questions here. Let me ask this question first. Who is first? Who is first? Who's first when it comes to getting the last brownie in the pan? Who's first? Who's first when it comes to getting that last parking lot closest to the door at Walmart or the new Kroger or HUB? This question of who at first, what I'm really asking is who's more important? Who should be given priority in those things? So within that in mind, given priority, who, who, this who first question, let me ask a few more. Who's first when it comes to washing dishes and vacuuming? Who's first when it comes to taking out the trash? Who's first when playing with a certain toy or an electronic device? Who's first when it comes to what, what TV shows you watch or what 
team you watch. Remember, we're asking who's important, who, who's, who should be given priority. So let me ask one more question. Who was first, or who was of most priority when Jesus died on the cross? Who was first? Who was given priority when he went to the cross? Well, I can tell you this, it wasn't him. He wasn't thinking about himself first. He was thinking about others first. Think about this with me. The Father, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, got a family. The, te- the Holy Spirit got a temple. And we got forgiveness and new life. What did Jesus get? Pain, suffering, death. Who was first? Jesus placed us before himself on the cross. And you read, as you read the next few verses in Philippians 2, 5 through 8 especially, you see that's what happened. And he, Paul uses him in the illustration that Jesus put us first. He humbled himself and gave himself for us that we might be forgiven. Now before we zero in on these two verses here, I want us to remind us of where these fit into Philippians because I think when you understand where they fit into this letter, you'll understand even more what Paul is saying to us. We first see, look there with me in in your Bibles, if you have one with you. um, The first word in in chapter 2, verse 1, is therefore, or some translations say so. It it connects the truth of chapter 2 with what was just been said in chapter 1. And and just a reminder, you all, in, in the original text, there's no numbers. Those were added later to help us. So don't let the numbers get in the way for the flow of what God is teaching through his word. If somebody says to turn someplace, at least you know where to turn, but don't let the numbers dictate uh, what you understand the, thing, the, the, the passage to mean. But it connects with chapter 1. So look with me at verse 27 of chapter 1. It, it, it starts off with the word only. The NIV says whatever happens. It's the word monos or monos. Mono or mono, we know, means one. Okay, it's a Greek word that means one or alone. Uh, and, and I love what the, one translation says, just one thing. Just one thing. And if you don't do anything else, Paul says, do just this one thing. Just one, I love, that makes it real simple for me. I've been hit a few times in the head, as you all know. So the simpler, the better. One thing. Just one thing. I can handle one thing. All right, look at the rest of verse 27. He says, only, or just this one thing, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the one thing. Paul said, if I can just leave you with one thing, here it is. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that is the overarching imperative or command, I believe, for the rest of the book of Philippians. Everything else is how we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Everything else in Philippians. And I think if you study Philippians, you'll see that fits. Because Paul meant to fit. He gives us one thing. And then he tells us what that one thing looks like. How do we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel? So... so Look, look at the last part of chapter 1. Um, Paul, and I'm, you know, we're not going to look at all the verses. I'll just give you an overview here. Paul gives two ways in the last part of chapter 1 in, 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 that we might live this out to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Two things. Stand firm and fear not. That's what those verses teach. All right? So this morning we're going to be reminded of another way we're to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And that's in chapter 2. And the key to understanding chapter 2 all right, the key to understanding what chapter 2 is about and how we're to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel is those two verses I read earlier. 
in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. They're the key to all of chapter 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. With humility of mind, regard one another as more important yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That thought, that command is the key to understanding all of chapter 2 and the key to understanding what it means to conduct yourselves worthy of, a man, uh, worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, just think about that. Look at those verses again. Now, I'm hoping you're going to have this memorized by the time I get out of here. Most of you already do because you heard it enough. But listen to this again. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Can you imagine receiving that for the very first time from Paul when he wrote it to the church of Philippi? What, what an amazing and, just to be honest, an impossible command. Anybody ever struggle with putting others before yourself? I did this morning. I'll do that this afternoon, and I'll struggle this evening, and I'll struggle the rest of my life putting others before myself. It will be a struggle. And if we're all honest, it's a struggle to put others before ourselves. It's easy to put ourselves first, isn't it? That's the easy thing to do. And can you imagine hearing this? It's a mammoth imperative to put others before yourself. Well, not only does this summarize the verses, you know, this summarize, verse 3 and 4 summarize the whole chapter, he, he reemphasizes it throughout chapter 2. Let me just show you that, this, this real quickly. He, he does this by giving example after example of what selfless humility looks like. That's what verses 3 and 4 are, selfless humility. Over and over, he gives an example. First, with Jesus. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. And you read verses 5 through 11, and it talks about how Jesus had selfless humility. He put us before himself by going to the cross. And then I can just imagine, imagine this with me. If you're in, uh, somebody in, in, in the church of Philippi, this would be their response. This would be my response. Well, of course, he's God. That's easy for him to put others first. So Paul says, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that he is God. That's our greatest illustrator, our greatest example. And then Paul, humbly, as he always does, puts himself as an example. He says in verses 17 through 18, he's being poured out as a drink offering for the church of Philippi. He, he's giving his life is what he's talking about and sacrifice for the gospel to the church at Philippi. And they're, well, you're the apostle Paul. I mean, come on, Jesus is an apostle. We can't possibly live up to that. Give us something else. And then he goes on and, and, and look at verses 19 and 21, speaking of Tim, 19 through 21, speaking of Timothy. He says, okay, how about Timothy? But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who would generally be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interest, not of those of Christ Jesus. So how about Timothy? You know Timothy. You've met him. I'm sending to you again. He, he puts you before others. He puts others before himself. Well, yeah, well, he's your sidekick. It's like Batman and Robin. Come on. I mean, we can't be as good as Timothy. And it's almost like Paul says, okay, let's just bring this down to a level where everybody understands this call for selfish humility is for all and can be done by all. So he brings up this guy called Epaphroditus. Look what Paul says in verse 30 about Epaphroditus. And mind you, and remind you that Epaphroditus was from Philippi. And he had brought this letter to Paul from the church of Philippi. I mean, he had brought a gift to Paul 
from the church of Philippi, and he's sending the letter back with Epaphroditus. Look what it says about him as he brought this gift to Paul. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Epaphroditus, your next door neighbor, gave his life for what you got out of it, for what I got out of it, not for what he gave out of it, got out of it. So you can't get out of this. Your next door neighbor is called to this same unbelievable mammoth imperative to put others first. And that's chapter 2. That's the quickest I've ever chopped to, thought to, to, taught to one chapter. You all know that, all right? I'd encourage you to go back and read it all. But you, you see, um, when, I, when I think about these verses, and I think about this very tough, tough and difficult command to put others first, let me tell you this. I've spent more time thinking about these words right here than any other words in the Bible. I've spent more time being convicted by these words here in 2, 3, and 4 of Philippians than any other words in the Bible. I've spent more time repenting over my lack of selfless humility because of these words right here. I've spent more time pondering and praying about how to apply these verses with my wife, with my children, with our church, and our community. I spent more time trying to teach the principle that's found here in God's Word than any other principle in my life with people that I meet. It's that important. It's that important. Well, we've seen briefly here how they fit into the whole. Let's, let's take a few minutes here just to look at them a little bit more closely. And, and in order to do that, I'm not going to teach two verses one and two. I'm going to just mention one word for each one so we can get to verses 3 and 4. And it's not going to take long. But I want us to give you three words. Uh, the first word uh, with verse 1. Look at verse 1. Therefore, I, if, if, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. And the if has the idea, and I don't have time to explain this, of since. Since you have encouragement in Christ. Since you have consolation. It's, a, it's already happened. It's a guarantee. And the word I want us to think of here is identity. Paul says that the identity of these believers is wrapped up in the supernatural realities that God and Christ has brought in their lives. He says that as followers of Christ, you have been encouraged in Christ. You've been consoled by his love. You have an intimate partnership with the Holy Spirit and are loved affectionately and compassionately by the eternal God of the universe. That's your identity. Then, based upon identity, look at verse 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. The word we want to use here to summarize what's going on in verse 2 is unity. Paul calls them to unity, in particular, the unity they have in their interpersonal relationships. And if these believers understand their identity leading to true unity, then it will be expressed in what Paul teaches in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit based upon their identity, based on the fact that you're unified. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but humility of mind, regard one another as more important yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And the word I want to summarize those two verses with is humility. And just let me say this. There's a lot of tough stuff in Scripture. There's a lot of tough stuff that's hard to understand. Even Peter said that about Paul, all right? He said, there's some things that Paul writes, I just I don't, I can't get. And I'll have to be right there with him. There's some things, that are t it's tough. This is not one of those passages. 
This is plain and simple. You don't have to dig down in the Greek grammar to understand what Paul is saying here. I love that. It's just straightforward. It's not hard to understand. And he goes to great lengths to make sure it's clear. You see, verse 3 is restated in verse 4. Verse 4 is just a repeat of verse 3. Just in other words. We do that all the time, right? We, we, we use re repetition to teach and we sometimes will change words. We'll give a different illustration to illustrate the same point. And that's what Paul is doing here. So I want you to look at verse, this, this word selfishness or some translations say selfish ambition. It, 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 that word means a strong drive for personal success without moral inhibitions. You're going to get to where, where you want to go and you're going to step on anybody that gets in your way. That's what that word selfishness means. You got a goal? If you get in my way, tough luck. You're in trouble. That's selfishness. The other word, empty conceit or vain conceit or conceited, um, it means to make yourself look good. So on your way to achieving your goals and knocking everybody else out of the way, you're going to step on them to lift yourself up and make yourself look good. So that's what Paul is cautioning against, is warning against, is saying, don't be like that. And we know people like that. And the humbling thing is sometimes we're people like that. Just like that. I know I am sometimes. I'm way more concerned about what I look like. I'm way concerned, more concerned about my goals than I am those of others. And that's why Paul has to say this. Now notice that word there at the beginning, or the second word, do nothing. It's all-inclusive. It means nothing. In the Greek, it means what? Nothing. All right? It means nothing. Nothing. Not one thing. Then the second part of verse 3 gives a contrast. Do nothing for selfish or empty conceit. Here it is. But, contrast, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important yourself. Instead of tearing down and get everything to get to your goal, won't you find somebody else who's going for something else and get behind them, encourage them, and lift them up? It's about, instead of making yourself look good, won't you lift somebody else up and make them look good? That's what Paul's saying. Put yourself aside and make it about others. Verse 4 is a restatement of verse 3, as I mentioned, and these two verses are structured in this pattern. This might be helpful to you. A, B, A, B. So look with me there at verse 3. It says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Now go to verse 4, the first phrase. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. It's just a way, another way to say it. Then the second part of verse 3 says, But humility of mind, regard one another as more than you're important yourself. And then the second part of verse 4, But also for the interest of others. So here's the question. Who's first? Let me ask this question. Was that hard to understand? Was that one of those mysterious things in Scripture like the Trinity? Or the hypostatic union? That's a big word that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. That's a hard thing to understand. The Trinity's hard to understand. Three in one. Is this hard to understand? No. We live it every day. I live it every day. I battle with this every single day. I get it. So who's first? God through Paul would say, others are first. Now some may object and say, no, no, no. If you put others first, that's kind of dangerous. They may step on you along the way. Well, Paul was not saying don't take care of yourself. He says do not merely look out for your own personal interest. He wasn't saying don't look out for yourself. But no one needs to tell us that, do they? Who doesn't look out for their own personal interests? Who doesn't look out for themselves? When you get up in the morning, now you would say this is for others, you brush your teeth. 
Now, some people, that, that helps other people too. I, I know. But you're trying to keep your teeth, right? So you can enjoy some good chocolate or something like that, right? You're, 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 we, we, nobody needs to tell us to take care of ourselves. Paul wasn't saying don't take care of yourself. No one needed to tell them that. They knew. It's kind of like this. There's nowhere, if, if you haven't been here for grace before, maybe you haven't heard this before. Nowhere in the scripture were we ever commanded to love ourselves. Do you know that? It says love your neighbor as yourself. It's understood you know how to love yourself. Everybody loves themselves, right? We know, and, th- and this is kind of the same thing. We put ourselves first. We love ourselves. And so that's understood. We don't have to encourage people to, put, to, to, to uh, um, look out for themselves or love themselves. We have to encourage, and Paul had to exhort people to take care of other people. He was stressing the other side so we would not be in so, into self-promotion and self-glory. Paul teaches here that our identity will lead to unity that it will be evidenced in humility. Putting others before ourselves in every relationship. So who's first? Who's first in your marriage? Who's first in your marriage? Is it your spouse? Or is it you? And I'll say this in a way that will be good for young ears and challenging for other ears. Do nothing from selfishness. Even when you go to bed at night. That's a hard one. Because our world tells us the exact opposite. Here's a hard one too. Do nothing from selfishness in your marriage when it comes to vacuuming and taking out the trash or whatever else it might be. How about this in our family? Our children, our family as a whole. Who's first? Is it us? Or is it them? How about the workplace? It says do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That includes every place. To do nothing. When we go to work, is it about just us making money? Or is it about serving our company and serving our community? That's hard, I know. How about friends? Who's first in those relationships? How about at school? Who's first? Who's first? How about in our sports? Who's first? I promise you from my own experience in sports, if you've got a lot of I'm first kind of guys, you won't win many games. It won't happen. Who's first in our community? Is it us or is it the rest of the community? This command of God through Paul, let me say this, is impossible to live out in our own strength. Believe me, I've tried. I've worked real hard in my own strength to try to live this out. It doesn't work. I fail every... It's, I, I'm a guaranteed failure every time I try to do this in my own strength. Every single time. Not only is Jesus our perfect example of humility and selflessness, but he is our strength to carry out this command. So I've got to ask this question. For all of you here this morning, and, and I know all of you here this morning, I think, at least met you. People in our church, they're here now who have been here. People in our community that we've sought to love as well are part of our family. Have you been made right with God through faith in the one who died for you? Have you turned from trusting in yourself to make yourself right with God and be forgiven and turned to trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ in what he has done 
on your behalf. If you've never done that, I'd pray this morning. If you want to give our family a gift, do that. Do that. Because that's why we've been here for 13 and a half years. To see people do that and have their life transformed and know God. That's why we came. And that's why we stayed. Because of that. And if you've done that, then keep holding on to him and ask him to empower you to put others before yourself. To do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Humility, mind, or guard others is more important yourself. Don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And it's been my distinct privilege to witness your humility and selflessness for 13 and a half years in your families, in our church family, in this community, the nation, to the world. And not only have I witnessed this, but I've been the recipient of humility and selflessness for 13 and a half years. In many ways, I feel that I cheated you because we gained so much. And we could just give all we could give. So we were the beneficiaries of that way more because so many more people were doing that to us. Myself, my family, thank you for so often regarding me and my family as more important than yourselves. Thank you for your patience with your ever-growing and passionate pastor. Thank you for loving my children so well. And helping John and I raise them and point them to Jesus and all things. Thank you for loving my awesome bride. For encouraging her. For serving her. For helping her be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. And I want to ask you to do something. I want you to continue to love Jared and Sarah. And put them before yourselves like you did me. You're so blessed to have them. Put them before yourselves, please. And for the new pastor preaching and teaching that comes here to Grace. And there's some great candidates, way better than I was when I first came, I promise you. Put them before yourself like you have me. One day, when maybe the Lord calls him away or calls him home, we'll look back and say, man, that Grace Bible Church, the people of the Brazos Port community, man, they know how to love. They know how to put people before themselves. So let me end with these words from Paul because they can't be said any better because they're words of God in Romans 11, 33-36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that he might be paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Lord, thank you for sending your son. For putting us first.
so that we might know you, so we might be forgiven, so we might be given life. Lord, thank you for allowing me and my family to be a part of this church and this community for 13 and a half years. Thank you for using them to sharpen us, to humble us, to conform us more in the image of your Son. And Lord, I pray they would keep that up. Lord, empower them to do so. So you might be honored. You might be lifted up. Lord, I pray this, believing and trusting you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to ask David Dupree to come up here. Um, David was one of our original elders here at Grace. Um, one of the original elders when I came here, and one of the original elders was super patient with the young, passionate, crazy pastor that they called here. Um, and uh, David lives in the Brenham area and uh, is uh, retired from Dow, but he's not retired. He does lots of work and serving his church and serving a boy's home next to him and taking care of his property and his family. And, but David has agreed to um, come and do the bulk of the, the preaching here at Grace over the summer until the Lord makes that one guy known to us who that next pastor preaching and teaching is. And I, I couldn't have thanked anybody better to come and do that. And those, there's a lot of people, most of the people here weren't here when you were here, David. But I can tell you right now, I wouldn't pick anybody else in the country to do this. He'll be here a couple times, in, I think maybe three times in June, a couple times in July, a couple times in, in August. And then some of the rest of our guys will fill in when David's not. But he's going he's gonna to pick up where I left off in Acts. And I'm looking forward to make sure we get it online so I can listen and be edified as well from that. But David, thank you for agreeing to do this, brother. Um, thanks for calling me here and being my friend for all these years and I know you'll keep being my friend. <laughs> Thank you for loving our people in advance. I know you're going to love them by faithfully preaching the word of God. So thank you. Thank you. Don't go. Let me just say a few words. Let me say a few words while you're up here, Brian. Uh, Fourteen years ago, uh, we had we had four elders. It was the three stooges plus Greg. And... Uh, <laughs> You might hear from the other stooges today, but along with many, some of the people out there today, we, uh, we spent the first three or four months just praying, uh, praying for our church, praying for you, uh, the future body that Christ was going to gather here in the Brazosport area, uh, praying for uh, a pastor because we were like sheep without a shepherd. And we prayed earnestly, and there's a, <clears throat> there's a passage in 2 Corinthians. Our Sunday school class is studying Paul's letters to the Corinthians. And in chapter 5, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a scripture that'll be familiar to you. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, which is great news. But Paul goes on. He says, you know, since we're a new creation, um, God has reconciled us. The hostility that existed between us and God has been resolved. But even more miraculously, Paul says, then God entrusted with all of us the ministry of reconciliation. And then a passage that uh, in verse 20 of chapter 5 that has meant a lot to me over my Christian life says, therefore we are Christ's ambassadors. 
as though God was making his appeal through us. And when we were praying uh, for a pastor 14 years ago, we asked ourselves, how are we going to know when the right guy comes along? And we struggled with that question, actually. And then finally we said, you know, I guess we'll just know. And when Brian McKenzie and John L. walked into the meeting where we were, it was as though an ambassador for Christ stepped into our room. We knew that we were in the presence of a true ambassador of Christ, someone who always pointed us back to Christ, someone who never took the credit or the praise, but reflected it back to our king, and someone who was always careful to represent our king with the glory and the majesty and the power and the grace and the mercy that he has. And so uh, I just want to thank you for being a great ambassador for our king. Uh, and we look forward to um, your continued ambassadorship uh, as you go to your next station. Can I pray for us? Father, we thank you, uh, almighty king, for who you are. And Father, we thank you for bringing us Ambassador McKenzie to represent you here in Brazosport. And Father, we uh, thank you because we know you a little better because of his work here. And so, Father, as he goes to his next station, I pray that he would represent you well, that you would be lifted up there, and that uh, Brian would continue to be a faithful ambassador for you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand as we continue to worship this morning? Reconcile the very 
hands who nailed him to that tree and all oh, that rugged cross my salvation where your love poured out over me and now my soul cries out hallelujah praise and honor unto debt is paid it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled now the curse of sin has no hold on me whom the Son says free oh is free indeed now my debt is paid where your love poured out over me and now my soul cries out hallelujah praise and honor to thee and see the stone is rolled away Behold the empty tomb. Hallelujah. God be praised. He's risen from the grave. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation. praise and honor unto thee praise and honor unto thee amen amen you can be seated we have the privilege of hearing this morning um, from the founding elders here at Grace Bible Church. Um, and so right now we're going to hear from Greg Smith as he speaks to Brian and to us. Am I muted? Hello? Um, well, I, uh, yeah, so I'm pretty sure I was one of the Stooges. <laughs> that was a good one, Dave. <laughs> um, I, I can honestly say this is not something I have been look forwarding, looking forward to doing. So, um, 
some of you may know this. Some of you may heard it some more, uh, heard it before. But we'll we'll go through a little bit of of uh, the founding story. You know, in the summer of it was 2002 uh, that we got together, and there were four of us that incorporated uh, what was then called Grace Community Bible Church. Our desire was to have a church that was focused on the exposition of God's word, uh, God-centered worship, and small groups for discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. And we actually, in that summer, we had started having conversation with some other people and with Brian about um, possibly coming and being our pastor. So that was almost 14 years ago that that happened. Um, and we, we had no idea that God had been preparing Brian and, and had placed on his heart some of those very same desires uh, off in Illinois. So we were a brand new church, and he was a brand new pastor. I'm pretty sure none of us had a clue of what we were doing, at least about some things. Um, and on any given day, I'm still not sure we know what we're doing. Um, we, we had a lot of things to learn, and a lot of things changed. Um, we changed our name, obviously, and other things as well. You know, in the early days, so there were, we added Brian, so that made five elders. So we had a chemist, three engineers, and Brian. <laughs> I remember the first elder meeting where we pulled out a spreadsheet, and he gave us this look. <laughs> like, what are y'all doing? We, uh, uh, y'all may have known the, uh, the Palmers, Brandon Palmer, when he was on our elder board. He was the king of spreadsheets, and I... I'm pretty sure we're 42.3% less efficient as an elder board now that Brandon has moved on. He really, he did a great job of keeping us on track. But Brian persevered through the spreadsheets and the acronyms. There's something about engineers and acronyms. And, and Brian learned how to work even, even with engineers. Uh, and Brian brought with him a deep passion for the Lord and for his word. Uh, in sports analogies, which some of us didn't get. Um, oh, and the alliterations. Oh my. That first year, I think he alliterated every single one of his outlines. Not that we were keeping track or anything. <clears throat> the P's were the good ones. So, not all of you know, but we, we've had the privilege of living down the street from the McKenzie's um, all these years, and they've been wonderful neighbors. They've helped us out on numerous occasions. They took care of the dog when we were gone, and, and the kids did the mowing at, at one point or other. Um, we actually had a broken water main at one point that was spewing water down the street, and so they came and shut off our water for us while we were out of town. Um, they uh, don't know if y'all remember the Christmas snow we had a while back. The McKenzie's being from Illinois actually had a sled and so they got out the sled and Brian hooked it up to his car and was driving around the block with the kids on the sled in the back and it was, it was a blast. Um, Brian also has enjoyed uh, access to my garage and has borrowed a few tools over the years. He affectionately stated that uh, my garage is a lot handier than making a trip to Lowe's. <clears throat> the bad news is that now, when I misplace my tools, I won't be able to blame him. It'll be just me to, to do that. Something you may not also know about your pastor is that in every situation that has come before the elders, Brian has always, he always gives the people involved the benefit of the doubt. He always thinks the best of whoever is before us until it's, you know, no longer possible. 
But he loves the people that God has given him to shepherd, and he always thinks the best of them. And I, I truly admire that in him. And so now it is apparent that God has prepared Brian to minister his word to a different group of people, to coaches. You know, coaches are really a, a special group. They have influence in so many um, different people's lives, students, parents, teachers, communities. Um, anyway, Brian, it has been a joy, and it has been a pleasure, and it has been a privilege to serve alongside you. I will miss you terribly, and I know that uh, God will use you mightily in this new ministry. You have been faithful to God's word, loving and loyal to his people. My hope is that your life and our church life will continue to reflect um, those things. And I hope that we can uh, follow the example that Christ has set through you to us. My prayer for you uh, from, from Romans 12, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in, spi in spirit, serving the Lord. I love you, Brian. Testing. There we go. I'm John Weaver. I'm another one of those three stooges uh, that David talked about. Yeah, we were definitely stooges back then. Um, I'm John Weaver, my wife, uh, Patty, and then there, I would call us, a, there's a group of families that felt like that God had called to the Brazosport area. We needed a, a Bible church in this area, and, and I had the privilege of uh, of being a part of of uh, searching and 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 in essence bringing Brian and Janelle and at the time it was four kids uh, to this area. Um, but what I want to just talk a little bit about is how God sort of weaves our lives. I mean, through the ages, um, when we started looking for Brian or for a pastor for a Grace Community Bible Church. Uh, this was not the very first time I had heard, had heard about Brian. Uh, my wife's sister, Beth, married a Kentucky boy. And if y'all didn't know this, Brian's from Kentucky. And very he's a Kentucky University, played football, and, you know, moved on to those other things. But while he was, was at college, you know, he was very involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Imagine that. Uh, my... At the time, future brother-in-law, John Bryson, was also a Kentucky boy, went to a different school, but in, I'm not sure if through summer camps, uh, they were involved, knew each other, met each other through Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, while they were in college, and grew to care for each other and love each other and, and such. And so, I, when Beth was, so this was back before 93, I heard about John, my brother-in-law, going to go see his friend, Brian, I want to say it was in, in Florida, getting ready to, maybe it was practice, getting ready to go uh, into the professionals. He, he had been drafted into the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that's 
this Brian McKenzie, and um, and he was going to go visit this his friend that was down there that he knew from Fellowship of Christian Athletes and and really liked. And so that was the first time I heard about this this guy um, named Brian. The second time uh, was able to meet him is well when Beth and John Bryson, Beth Hope Patty's sister, got married to John Bryson. Brian was a part of their uh, their wedding. He was one of the groomsmen, I believe, and came down in '93 to Lake Jackson. Um, and I can't remember. It was uh, it was in January. It was it seems like it was a January first wedding, so it was already cool. Um, and so that's so he had a little bit of a taste of what our area was like. Um, but then uh, so. Beth and John got married, and on through the years, uh, Patty and I went up to Ditton. Uh, John Bryson is a, well, now he's a pastor in Memphis, but at the time he was a college minister at Denton Bible up, up in Denton. And uh, Brian was, uh, this is after sort of his professional career from a, a major damage to his shoulder sort of his sports career was over and he was in a mentoring program at Denton Bible uh, put on by Tom Nelson and a lot of you might know Tom Nelson he, he listened to his um, podcast phenomenal teacher but he also had a heart for teaching young men how to be men of God that knew truth that uh, that was going to go out throughout um, throughout the world I guess you could say and so we went up and visited John and Beth and in a, and they were living in a little white house up in Denton and lo and behold there was a group of guys living next to Beth and Ben that I think were all from Kentucky all were from a fellowship of Christian athletes that were in the same program that Tom Nelson was was mentoring folks with and I remember, I vaguely remember seeing Brian, this monster of a man, just huge heart at that time. So this, again, is, is way back when. So then we, we come forward to uh, where there's a group of us that say that we need to have a, uh, we believe God's called us to have a Bible church here in this area. And... Uh, uh, so what do we do? The Three Stooges with David and a number of the families that are here, you know, said, okay, well, we got to go to seminaries and we're just going to network. And uh, so my thing was, uh, well, and uh, by the way, if you didn't know this, I'm one of the engineers. I'm not the chemist. You'll get to hear from the chemist here in a second. Uh, uh, my thing was to go network because I have some family members that were pastors and uh, so we, we called the seminaries, and I called John Bryson. And this is at the very beginning. Now, David talked about three or four weeks, three or four months of prayer and stuff like that. Well, my problem, or what I do is, I start. I go as quickly as possible. <laughs> I jump out and go do things. So, yeah, go, go, go. And so I called uh, John and said, hey, we're starting this church. We need a pastor. Do you have anybody? And uh, John goes, I know the exact guy who you need. 
and uh, he gave us uh, Brian's name and this was early early on in this process and so I called Brian up and said hey we're interested I know a friend of yours he's my brother-in-law John Bryce and so forth and so on uh, are you interested he says oh heck yeah um, but as as a team uh, you know as a group of families we were praying over this long period of time we were looking over all these resumes I mean I don't know if it was four or five months after I'd called Brian that we finally got back to Brian <laughs> he's going well, I didn't know if y'all were finished with me or whatever but um, I guess the point that I wanted to say is God uses things. Oh, and by the way, where was he? What was he doing? He was with uh, on staff at the Fellowship Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Illinois. You know, ministering to to athletes too. And so it's sort of neat to see how God sort of weaves our lives through this. Um, and Brian is going back. Now he's going to be pat or mentoring, pastoring, whatever you want to call it, to coaches up in Illinois through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And it just, it just, it's amazing to see how God works, you know, in our lives. If you go back and look and just see his hands working on things. Uh, Brian, uh, I, I guess some of the thoughts that I, I remember, I remember the snow piece, but before that, uh, when Brian had moved in, and I see the, it seems like I thought I saw the Palmers here, um, Gerald Mary Beulah. But we were, they moved in, they were living in apartments, and, and we were trying to, trying to minimize the cost of, of their house. So we were working with the builder, and they were allowing us to do the electrical so that we could try to reduce this cost. And all us guys, and I want to say there are some ladies that were involved too, but we were doing the, uh, the rough end of the electrical. And uh, so we had guys up on the rafters pulling wire. I remember Gerald working on what we call the Widowmaker, which is a, a drill that just got sort of hung up in, in, their, um, in a piece of wood and just, just beat him up. And I mean, just really abused him. And uh, Gerald goes, oh, no, no problem. But if you saw the bruises on him, and you understand why we said it was a widow, Widowmaker. Um, but then, so the, the, the McKenzie's moved into our neighborhood. Uh, I also had the privilege of sort of being in their neighborhood, a little bit further than the Smiths. But on Sunday mornings, and maybe sometimes on Saturday, I would see Brian coursing through at a very fast pace. For most of us, it would have been running, but he was walking real fast, prepping for this message, and just preaching like he was going to be preaching to us uh, that Sunday morning and I mean he did that he wanted to get it right he wanted to say the right words he want and usually there's one or two dogs that were sort of following him around but it was early early in the morning that he was doing this um, also when we call okay so I sort of stepped back and forth one of the things that you might have heard some of the folks talk about a McKenzie day when Brian and Janelle came down, uh, I want to say Brian came down the first time by himself and then Janelle and maybe the kids came down. But this was, I want to say this was sort of late summer, early uh, fall. And as you know, our, our weather is hot, humid, with lots of mosquitoes. Well, both times that they came down here, it was low humidity, very, very nice weather, and no mosquitoes. And the, the third uh, person that you're going to hear from, 
uh, from Chuck, he wanted to make sure Brian understood this is not normal weather for us. And so we just started calling that the McKenzie days. Uh, a McKenzie day. It just, if you can think of it, the, the best day uh, weather in our neck of the woods, that's a McKenzie day. And that's sort of what I remember. It was just phenomenal. Um, one other thing, that, and I know I'm going way over what I'm supposed to. Yeah, my wife's shaking my head. But, uh, but Brian has a heart for men. Um, he, he wants us to be men of God with care to know the truth of what the Bible has. And uh, in our men's retreats and our sometimes we had some men's Bible studies on Saturday mornings and stuff like that. He wanted us to, for us men, to stand up and be men of God. And I mean, you're still doing that, what you're about to go off to do. Uh, and it's your heart. You love sports. Uh, uh, you love uh, you love uh, that avenue, and you love Christ. And so I just that it seems like it's a perfect uh, union of what what you love to do and what you like doing for the glory of God. So to y'all, the best. Uh, and for for Patty and I, you y'all will be in our prayers. Ben, if you can play that video. Yep. We have uh, the privilege of hearing from one of the other founding elders. Hello, Brian. Chuck this Moore. is Chuck. Here. Go ahead. Buddy, <laughs> it's good. I was going to say it's good to see you, but I can't see you. Um, for those of you at Grace who don't know me, uh, Brian and I ministered together until about 2009, 2010, and uh, it was a privilege of my life to do that. Uh, but what most of you don't know is that I was on the search committee that uh, initially interviewed Brian and eventually brought him down here to be our pastor. And uh, I wanted to uh, just take a walk down memory lane and uh, and tell you what that first phone interview was like after we got to know Brian a little bit. So as best as I can remember, it went something like this. Uh, see, I, I called him. Yeah, yeah. Brian? Is Brian there? Oh, this is Brian. Hey, Brian. This is uh, Chuck Mork. I'm on the search committee at Grace Community Bible Church. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got the message. We, we did. We got the message and we listened to it. Uh, uh, the other members wanted me to ask if um, you thought two hours and 15 minutes was an appropriate length for a sermon. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's true. If you take out the moments where you were crying, it is only uh, thirty-seven minutes long. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that that's that's good. Um, we did have one other concern. Um, the guys, uh, uh, well, actually, it was a, a woman. I had a concern about an interpretation that you have of Scripture. Um, it's First Timothy uh, two fifteen. Um, but women will be preserved through the bearing of children. And I was just wondering, um, well, I wasn't wondering, one of our members, oh, who was it? Um, well, I'd, I'd rather not say, but, uh, well, I can make up a name, that way we can talk. It was actually a woman. Let's just call her Mrs. Smith, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the reason she's interested, well, you've got, you've got four kids, five and under, that she just, okay. 
Okay, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. Um, not good to take chances with Scripture, just in case. It is a difficult passage to understand. But this is a personal application. Okay, well, that, that's, that's good to know. I'll, I'll pass that on to this so-called Mrs. Smith. I'm, I'm sure she'll feel better about that. I, I know my wife does. Okay, well, you have a good day, Brian, and we'll talk to you again real soon. It went something like that. I, I don't remember all of the details. Um, but I have to tell you, seriously, Brian, um, it was a pleasure, more than a pleasure. My, my uh, understanding of Scripture grew as a result of your ministry here. Um, you know, before you came here, I thought a Calvinist was somebody who liked Calvin more than Hobbes. And uh, you really schooled me theologically. And, you know, your home was always open. You shared your life, well, except for when it was on fire. But it was generally always open to visitors. And uh, we really uh, benefited from your sincere ministry here. You shared not only the word of truth, but your very lives with us and your family. And so... As you move on to this next stage, I wish you the best. I pray for the best for you. And, uh, you know, maybe we can minister again together someday. Um, again, it's been a real pleasure to uh, look back on these days, and I do with great fondness. And um, my spiritual life was so much enhanced by your ministry to me personally. Thanks, Brian. Congratulations. so glad that um, Chuck could join us through video and uh, and speak to Brian. So you've heard this morning from all four founding elders um, and our teaching pastor. I would like to at this time call Brian and Johnell up here. We have a special gift um, that we'd like to give them from the church body. Um, Sarah's running to get that. But uh, while, while she does that, <clears throat> I just wanted Brian to know what all we have learned from him. So I have a little quiz for the church so that you can um, show the, the knowledge that he has imparted to us. It, many of you probably um, know more grammar from sitting in Brian's sermons than your English class in high school. Um, but one of the rules that we have all learned about reading and interpreting scripture is we always need to know one thing. And it, and it starts with a C. And if you'll help me out, he always repeats it three times. So what is it? We need to know context, 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 right? All right. The, the other one is if we see a therefore, we have to ask the question. All right. Yes, you're doing really well. And in the Greek, the word all means... All. Yeah. And he actually used this one this morning. The word none or nothing in the Greek means nothing. nothing. Right. Absolutely. And so we have learned so much from your ministry. We um, love you. Um, more than more than grammar, we have learned. Yeah, that, that was the four things we've learned um, in 13 years. So um, thank you. We will see you. And now um, we are so glad um, that the Lord brought you to us and um, that the Lord brought me here to serve these last three years have been a joy. And um, when Brian talked to me um, three years ago, I was here leading worship for the 10th anniversary of Grace Bible Church. And we met on a Monday in the local and he asked me if I would 
consider coming on as, as the associate pastor here at Grace. And uh, I really liked my life in Kentucky. And so I was like, man, Lake Jackson, no single women. I'm kind of, I'm good where I'm at. Um, and, uh, but the whole time, all I could think was, I would get to serve with Brian, and I would get to serve with these elders, and I love these men. I know who they are, and so it has been a joy and a privilege to get to learn under you and to serve, and they knew my wife. Um, Brian Brian had that in mind all along, just conniving, and um, so, um, but we are thankful to to have served for three years with y'all and we'll continue to partner in ministry um, as we go forward. But we have um, for y'all these two Bibles. Um, this is yours, John L. Um, these, are, these are journaling Bibles that have a blank page between every page of Scripture. And the members here have written through those Bibles for each of you some of their favorite Scriptures and, um, and have written you notes through there. So we hope that you cherish those and keep those and know that we we love you very much. Thank you. Um, and at this time, if we can get your whole family, Anna Marie, James, the, the ones that are here. Um, we got two of six. Um, oh, three. Jonathan's back there. He's working. Um, so um, even on his last Sunday here, we make him work. Um, so if you would, as a church body, come down. We are going to pray over the McKenzie family um, this morning. You can move from your seat, come up here. Um, we're going to pray over them as we commission them out. Um, they're not leaving us. Yeah, that would be great if y'all want to go down there to be with them. Um, they're not just leaving us, but they are going to a new ministry that God has called them to. And so we, we see this as sending them out into the field to, to continue God's work and mission. If you want to gather around after this, we're going to have one more song that we'd like you to sit and, and join with us on. Father, we thank you for the life and ministry of Brian and Johnell. God, we thank you for the 13 years that he has been faithful to your word and your church. We thank you for all the people in this room that represent a fruitful 13 years of ministry in the Brazosport area, the lives that um, you have touched and reached through this family are countless. Um, many extend beyond this room. And so, God, for that, we are grateful that you continue to build your kingdom. And, Father, as, as we are sad um, to see them move on, God, we are excited to know that you're sovereign and these things are all in your plan. God, that you have a plan for Brian and Johnel to use them to advance your kingdom. God, we're excited that we get to send them out and to partner with them and to see them do great things for the kingdom. God, we thank you that you will not leave us and that you have planned the right teaching pastor to follow Brian, to come and to, to open your word to us, to help guide us in truth, to love these people. We lift the McKenzie family up to you.
as they move to this new ministry, God, that um, they would continue to remain faithful. They would continue to pursue Christ above all else. And that hundreds, thousands of lives would be impacted through, through the teaching ministry, the equipping ministry of Brian and John Ellis. It's in Christ's powerful name we pray. Amen. As you make your way back to your seats, we have one final um, presentation that we want to, to leave with this morning. Just some memories from the McKenzie's time here at Grace Bible Church. And for the first time, we have the Grace Worship Choir is going to help us this morning. If they can pull it together. All right.
is. When we walk through life's darkest valleys, we will look back at all you have done. And we will shout, our God is good, and he is the faithful one. Hallelujah, hallelujah, to the one from whom all blessings flow. Hallelujah, hallelujah, to the one whose glory has been shown. We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the works of your hands. And we will stop and give you praise for great is thy faithfulness. I still remember the day you saved me, the day I heard you call out my name. You said you loved me, would never leave me, and I've never been the same. stop and give you praise for great is thy faithfulness Amen Amen It's the Lord's work, He has done it We will remember so glad that you were here this morning. Thank you for being here as uh, we worship together, as we remember together the Lord's work here at Grace Bible Church and in the lives of his people. Um, after the service today, we want you to know we are going over to All Star Pizza right over next door um, to hang out with the McKenzie's, to um, spend some time with them, thanking them and loving on them. The Bibles that we gave them, if you still have not had a chance to sign those, they will be over there. We would encourage you to leave a note in those um, for them as they go off into this new ministry. Um, at this time, we're going to have you stand and we will be dismissed. Father, we thank you that you are good. You are sovereign over all things, and we thank you that you have been faithful and continue to be faithful to people who are so unworthy and undeserving. Pray that we would be people of the cross, people of the gospel, that we would go out into this mission 
field that you've called us all to, and we would share the good news of Christ, that your kingdom would be built. It's in his powerful name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.